Hey, welcome to episode 18 of the Oh Crap Potty Training Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Glowacki, and I'm the author of Oh Crap Potty Training and Oh Crap, I Have a Toddler. So I am recording this after doing the biggest race of the year for me, which is the Spartan Beast, and that is on Mount Killington. It's an obstacle course race. I don't know if you guys know this. If you listen to my parenting podcast, I talk about my racing all the time, (laughs) but I haven't mentioned it here. So this is um, an extreme obstacle course race on a very steep mountain. It was yesterday was, um, or Saturday rather, it was almost 15 miles uphill, downhill with uh, 30 some odd obstacles in between. It's almost like Ninja Warrior outside on a really steep mountain. And it was very hard, very challenging. And I did it and I ran a clean race, which means I did not fail any obstacles. So if you see, if you follow me on Instagram, I posted some pictures and videos. Very proud of myself, but I bring it up because in my parenting podcast, I often talk about this People think I'm a little crazy for doing these obstacle course races, but the thing is, is manufactured obstacles and getting over them, like literal obstacles, getting over them, getting through them is where growth happens. And in potty training and in parenting, we have gotten self-esteem is a buzzword and we've gotten really confused about it. And people think they can kind of hand their kids self-esteem or that with enough good jobs, enough praising, enough positive reinforcement that kids will get a strong self-esteem. And that is a big lie. In fact, your child will know if you are trying to flatter them into self-esteem. How self-esteem is built is by doing things we didn't think we could do. And so for me, these obstacles represent that. They also represent that our lives are pretty freaking easy right now. And so we have very few challenges, but the human brain loves a challenge, right? Our wiring is not sophisticated enough. Like it's not keeping up with tech, right? Like we still have fight or flight, but we are not being chased by bears. We are not super hungry and always looking for food. So instead we create these other little obstacles that are nonsense. We create obstacles in our lives that really don't exist, (laughs) you know, because we're, our brain is just looking for a challenge. When I do these races, I just, I overcome things that I didn't know for sure that I could do. And so I bring it up again to remind you that challenging your child, letting your child be disappointed, frustrated, watching them overcome things and doing hard things that they didn't think they could do. That's how self-esteem is built. Not by just empty flattering, a lot of good jobs, trying to bolster their ego. That isn't where it's built. And I bring that up because today, one of the issues I wanted to talk about that we see in our work, both me and all the experts that are certified in OCRAP potty training, is cajoling and begging. Yes. And Webster defines cajoling as persuading someone to do something by sustained coaxing or flattery. And this comes up a lot in potty training, right? Like, and it'll look a lot like begging. It'll look a lot like flattery. And if you listen to an episode I did a a few episodes back, I said, stop praising nonsense. So what happens is we think we're bolstering our kids, you know, self-esteem. We're bolstering them up by being like, oh, you sat very good. Oh, I'm so proud of you. You sat on the potty. But if the kid didn't pee, 
if the kid didn't do anything, I had said in that episode, that's praising nonsense. Like don't praise every step of the way because the child can actually get confused and be like, oh, cool. I did a good job. I'm done. And so we have this heavy cajoling going on, which is parents are really just begging their child to use the potty or they're doing a thing that I call spinning plates. Your kid's not really potty trained if you have to juggle fire and spin plates and look like a circus monkey to get them to sit down. That's not the deal, right? This is just a normal milestone. This is a developmental milestone, just like sleeping through the night, tying their shoes, riding a bike, learning how to walk. When they were learning how to walk, you supported them, you know, yay, when they did a couple of steps, but you didn't go overboard and you weren't like, oh, please, can you please put your hands on the coffee table? Okay, now please take a step. Oh, oh, that's cajoling. Yes, you watched your child. You were like, good job. You know, you might have high-fived them. You might have given them a really sincere good job. You might have been really thrilled, but you didn't beg and, and try to coax them. And particularly, I get nervous about the sustained flattery because we're praising too many things that shouldn't be praised, yeah? The more you can really reduce this down. And in the book, I really, oh, well, actually it's more an, oh crap, I have a toddler, but I talk about shaving language. In general, we are talking way too much. And we've been told by experts that you should narrate, you know, to help build your child's language. But what happens is when you use too much language, you start to sound like, I don't know if you remember Charlie Brown, but the teacher on Charlie Brown it was always wah, 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 wah. And that's kind of what your kid hears. Their processing, their executive functioning is very limited right now. Their brain development is just very limited at this point in time. And so if you start using too many words and flattering and begging, you really just kind of muck up the process. This should be, you know, sit down, pee, great, awesome. You must be proud of yourself move on with your day. The bigger deal you make of this, the more it's going to get complicated. The other thing is the older your child is, kids have this like inherent built-in system of like, if you want something extra bad, if you're like desperate about wanting something, they're going to dig in their heels. They absolutely will. Like, you know this, it's your kid most likely pitches a fit to get in the car seat on the days you run late because there's a franticness about you. And the kid senses that and they're like, nope, not doing it. And it's not because they're trying to give you a hard time. It's because you have anxiety. I say you smell like fear, right? You have anxiety about it. You're frantic. You have changed your nonverbal communication and kids hate that. They're like, nope, I'm not doing it. Look in the past, right? Every time that you really try to like rush your child or you really are desperate for them to do something, that's when they kick up dirt. So really, really, really just shave your language around this process and look at it as though this is happening and there's no reason to use excess words. And I just kind of had a brain fart because I was thinking like on this obstacle course race, there were these brutal inclines that you, you looked up and it was like, I don't even know if I can do this. And I literally, it was like, you have to put the chatter outside and you say, yeah, well, you're doing it. 
that's it. You're doing it. So you might as well shut up. And it was like a way to, to quiet the mind. And this is what we want to do with our kids. It's not, not that you should say, shut up. We're doing this, but it's like, this is happening. I think what happens a lot in potty training is parents are so doubtful of the process that they don't have that confidence to say, this is happening, whether you like it or not. So we might as well get on board, right? Because it's been mucked up in the media. Like, okay, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure. Am I pushing? Am I doing this wrong? Is, is the child, you know, is he really ready? I don't know. I don't know. So we go into it with that doubt. And that leads to that cajoling, that begging, and that using too many words. Okay. And again, the older your child is, the worse this will be. We're also seeing right now, a lot of parents are kind of complaining or worried that the child is not self-initiating the process, right? So, you know, you're weeks in and you're still the one doing all the prompting. You're still the one really initiating all the P's and parents get concerned about that. Now, I always say like, I don't know why potty training is the only milestone that people throw kids to the wolves. It's crazy. It's like, you should be done. I should not have anything to do with this process after three days. I don't really understand that. It's like, even daycares and preschools, it's so infuriating that they're like, the child should be all set in a minimal days. Otherwise, they're not ready. Everything else, did the child learn to write their name in a day? Did they learn to walk in a few days? Did they learn anything in a few days where they didn't need any support, any help, any reminding? I don't know why this milestone is so crazy for people like that, but it happens. So number one, if you have to prompt your child, it's okay. The child is still potty trained. If they're peeing and pooping, when you prompt them, and it's not drama-filled, it's not resistance-filled, that's potty trained, whatever anybody says. But we do want to look into, okay, is there sort of a glitch in the matrix if the child isn't self-initiating? And what we keep finding over and over again is that parents are complaining that the child is not self-initiating, but the parents are the ones putting them on the potty. The child is they're still in a crib. They're not given any autonomy. A lot of times parents are still feeding the child. Yeah. So if you have a kid that you're expecting to be independent, and I know I've discussed this before in this podcast, but it bears repeating because parents like aren't getting this. If you're not allowing your child autonomy, they're not going to have autonomy. If you expect them to be independent, you have to give them independence in other areas. You have to let them start taking some risks, making choices, and you have to start letting them be bigger kids. We're infantilizing these kids and then wondering why they're not being independent. So look around and make sure toys, toys are a big one, keeping toys too young. We don't pay attention. It's like you look around at the toys and you're like, oh my God, these toys are for like a two-year-old and my kid's three. You have to keep the toys rolling. You have to keep the challenges up. I always say, go in the kitchen. Kids in the kitchen builds autonomy because you can, hey, can you go get this out of the fridge? Hey, let's cut this. Have your child help you. Employ your child. Get them working with you. It not only builds connection in the best way, right, in a really natural, easy flow kind of way, but it makes the child feel important. It makes them feel part of the family, and it makes them feel like they have skills, and that's what builds independence, and that's what builds the self-initiation. If your child is struggling with self-initiating in potty training, remember, it really does come three to six weeks after your start date. It doesn't happen all at once. And go back and visit the self-initiating podcast. I really broke that down in another podcast. But I just wanted to remind you because 
it keeps happening in our work that parents want this ultra independence and yet they're completely infantilizing the child. And three is a really big age. That's when that psychological process of individuation happens and the child really is craving to be separate from you and to like start doing things on their own. The last thing I wanted to talk about today is in these same veins that I've talked about, and this is called a negative feedback loop. And this happens, this can happen in any area, but it happens in potty training. So a negative feedback loop is when you create almost a by rote or routine dialogue rhythm to your day that is negative. And this can happen. I see this happen a lot in potty training. And it's a little bit confusing, so I'm going to really try to break it down. Have you ever had a job where you have these like by rote sayings? So for example, you know, I waited tables and bartended for years. And so, you know, like when you put a plate down as you're waiting tables and you say, you know, here's your dinner, you know, let me know if I can get you anything else, enjoy your meal, right? And that's like by rote. And so there's days when you're just phoning it in and you say the same thing. And then some days you get it like mixed up, right? Like you go like... I one time put a plate down and I said, you know, have a great night. So I said the goodbye by rote thing, right? I said the goodbye at the wrong time. So that's an example of like a by rote conversation. What happens with our kids is if you do something a couple of times, it becomes a by rote conversation, right? They just, this is how we do it. And remember at this young age, kids are so new. It's so weird, right? They're two or three years old. They're brand new to the planet, right? And I think people forget that. And they're learning constantly. They're they're picking up all your cues. They're picking up all your uh, nonverbal communication, all the things. And I always say this. This is a huge part of, oh, crap, I have a toddler. The idea of when you cave after saying no, right? So like if your child is having a tantrum, I use this example all the time. You're at the grocery store. The candy is eye level. You have a huge load of groceries. You really don't want to get out of line. You really don't want to leave. Your kid starts pitching a fit for candy. You say, no, 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 no. And then finally you you lose it and you say, fine, have the candy. You just need this kid to be quiet because you can't just leave the store. Conditions are bad. You're tired, right? And so, so you cave, you caved after four no's without any emotion, without any guilt. Literally what you taught your child is that four no's equal a yes. Really, just take all the emotion out of it. That's what the child learned. So the next time, they're going to go for four no's. And if that doesn't work, they're going to keep pitching the fit, right? And so in Oh Crap, I Have a Toddler, I say cave early. If you know you're tired, if you know you're not going anywhere and you know you're going to say yes, say yes right away. Then you look generous and you, you took care of the thing and your child didn't learn a negative pattern. So a negative pattern is just that, right? Okay, I've learned that four no's equals a yes. Now in potty training, sometimes what that looks like is it comes in the form often of resistance, or it can often come in the form of when a child's dribbling and you get stuck in this negative thing where it's like, oh my God, every single time I have to ask this child three times to go to the potty before they'll sit. Why is it such a struggle? you've set up a negative feedback loop. So now that's just how the child potties, right? Like in some houses you go, potty time, that's the word, that's the phrase, that's the by rote conversation, child goes to the potty. In other times, what's happened is, okay, Johnny, it's time to sit on the potty. (sighs) Okay, I asked you to sit on the potty, right? And that like little escalation and frustration. And then the child at the third time, right? The child then goes to the potty. Same thing in behavior, right? When we give three chances, I always say if your child does it on three, they can do it on one. 
you've set up a negative feedback loop that three is when you mean business. You can mean business on the first chance too. So if you find yourself being frustrated about sort of anything in the process, check and make sure it's not a negative feedback loop because you can just get stuck in this loop that's negative and the child doesn't think it's negative. The child is like, Mm, this is what we do. This is how we do it, right? This is how I go pee. And so it appears in all kinds of aspects in parenting. So it's just something to observe if you find yourself like how it feels as a parent is it feels like frustration or exasperation. You're like, oh my God, here we go. I'm going to have to ask them three times to go. That's what it's going to feel like. All right, you guys, that's all I have for today. And as always, I appreciate you. Rock on. You're doing good work. Keep it up.